Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989-898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989 with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. All of Hollywood are like, um, let us say, the... Uh a monkey house at the zoo on a Monday after they've eaten the candy that the kids threw over the wall. They are so hung over. I'm not. I'm happy. It's a good day. Michael Savage came out number two in TSL Power 50, which is a very big deal when you consider Russia's number one and he's on 500 stations. A lot of people listen to the Savage Nation. Why? I'll let you decide. Today we're going to talk about all the topics that are on your mind, including something you're not going to expect me to say, which is that opposing war is actually in the American tradition. I know you're saying, what? He's not a knee-jerk conservative? Well, you decide for yourself what I am. People have been trying to define me from the day I was born, but since I was a breech baby, they haven't been able to figure it out. The fact of the matter is, yes, opposing war is in the American tradition. In fact, most vets who have been in combat oppose war, incidentally, It seems those who are banging the war drums most loudly are those who have never fired a gun. But then again, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm certainly celebrating uh, the killing of Soleimani because he was a notable terrorist and a terror mastermind, accounting for the deaths of of hundreds, if not thousands of people. And what's odd to me is that Democrats are now using Russian talking points to attack President Trump for killing the terror master. Isn't that unlikely? I also want to talk about, look, come on, I had a good time last night watching the Golden Globes. Normally, I pass over them. They're predictable. Everyone congratulating themselves, the silly dresses, the stupid, vapid speeches. I watched it. I was captivated. This guy, Gervais, is my new hero. He's also an animal rights activist, as am I. So I'm sure he's a leftist and I'm not. But the fact is, man, did he do a great job. We'll talk about that. It was a big television night for me. I also watched 60 Minutes. 
which I haven't watched in many a year because it's predictable, left-wing rubbish, blah, blah, blah. Last night, Michael Bader, the forensic pathologist, was there explaining in immense detail that Epstein was uh, strangled or killed. It was not suicide. It was homicide. And then when they showed the ligature marks on uh, the neck of Epstein's corpse, it was clearly a garroting right out of uh, The Godfather. It was not the, the, the bed sheet that they showed. There was no blood in the bed sheet. The bed sheet showed uh, was a much wider material than would let us see an electrical cord. There was a long electrical wire in, in Epstein's cell. What was missing, this is the interesting part of how propaganda works, what 60 Minutes left out of their disclosure that they think that Epstein was killed, which I said, of course, the first day, you didn't have to be a genius to figure it out. I uh, have published three best-selling novels. I read novels. I watch gangster movies day and night. Okay, the guy was killed. He was whacked because some big people were on his plane doing the young girls. We would have to be a genius to figure out. But they didn't mention one of the big people who were on Epstein's plane. That was the interesting part about the propaganda of 60 Minutes. So, yeah, he was killed, but we don't know why. We have no idea who did it. Yeah, right, sure. That was a good one last night. And uh, so we have that to talk about, which is uh, the war fever, pro and con. And we have the Epstein story. Then we have the Golden Globes. So I think I'm going to begin with something fun. Last night was a cold Sunday out here in the San Francisco area. And uh, I cooked a paella. You know, the nicest part of the night for me is after the food has been eaten. And uh, we have four dogs. I know what? Yes. Teddy has three friends now. And they all sit on the sofa, this big sofa, looking at the big screen that comes down out of the ceiling. And we all watch <laughs> TV together. There is something so soothing about four dogs with their heads between their paws staring at a TV screen after dinner and dozing off next to you. It's one of the most, I don't know, calming things on the planet. And it's nice to do after making a great paella. So here we are in the Savage Nation. Uh, I have some acerbic comments to make about the golden globules. And uh, I'll make them as we go on. If you've seen them on my Twitter feed, you know what I think about those people. And I want to begin, though, with Ricky Gervais. I've seen him before. I thought he was pretty great, pretty good. Last night he was pretty great. What's interesting is that he was panned, of course, by the movie industry for, for ripping them to shreds. I have one question in my mind. Did anyone else notice that Jock Phoenix was literally uh, carted off the stage with the, with the music? Did you notice that he was so ripped and so disoriented? God knows on what. I could practically feel what he was on. And they had to play music to tell him it was over. And all of the geniuses at Hollywood Reporter and elsewhere didn't even make a note of that. Why? Because it's one industry. The biggest shock to me was they dare take on God himself, who was Tim Cook. I mean, this guy is the God of everything, isn't he? There was Tim Cook of Apple sitting there preening away like, I am God, I am overlooking everyone, I am the overlord. And here's this little schmecky comedian from England Ricky Gervais ripping him and Apple to shreds along with Disney and one other company for having slave labor in their factories. Wow, did the dogs like that one. I got to tell you, we got a, we got a 10 poor award out of that one. So here we are. If you care to comment on any of these topics, uh, go ahead, 855-407-282. What is the number one thing bothering you about the world today, whether it be in government, 
the country, the news cycle or whatever. And remember, if you're streaming the show and not listening to it on a terrestrial station, and I have a very large streaming audience around the world, believe me on that one. Just trust the data. Don't trust the liars. It's a huge show. The phone number is 855-400-SAVAGE, 855-400-7282. And even if you're just streaming it and not listening on a station, you can call those numbers, again, on any topic that you wish to call on. So let's begin with the uh, British, I don't know, call him a comedian, if you will, actor-comedian Richie Gervais ripping them to shreds last night at the Golden Globes. If you do win an award tonight, don't use it as a a platform to make a political speech, right? You're in no position to lecture the public about anything. You know nothing about the real world. Most of you spent less time in school than Greta Thunberg. He obviously didn't (laughs) kill himself. Just like Jeffrey Epstein. (laughs) Shut up. I know he's your friend, but I don't care. In this room are some of the most important TV and film executives in the world, but they all have one thing in common. They're all terrified of Ronan Farrow. Talking of all you perverts, it was a big year for paedophile movies. Many talented people of colour were snubbed in major categories. Um, Unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about that. The Hollywood foreign press are all very, very racist. Apple (laughs) roared into the, the TV game with a morning show. A superb drama about the importance of dignity, and doing the right thing, made by a company that runs sweatshops in China. Oh, well, you say you're woke, but the companies you work for, I mean, unbelievable. Apple, Amazon, Disney. If ISIS started a streaming service, you'd call your agent. If you win, right, come up, accept your little award, thank your agent and your God, and <laughs> It's already three hours long. Okay, pretty good stuff. You know, it makes you wonder. I'm a performer. I've been a performer for a long time, probably began in the first grade in a strange way with a a slight diversion into science for 30 years. But I do remember the first time I got up in front of an audience in the first grade in the Bronx. And the reason I was asked to be the announcer at PS48 is because I was the only kid in that poor school who had a blue suit. We didn't have a lot of money, but my mother figured I should have a suit. So she bought me a cheap little blue suit. God bless her. Teacher said, Michael, you have a suit. You're going to be the announcer. And I'll never forget the first day I stood up in front of that vast assembly of young ki- of kids. They were my age, older, who knew what. It looked like a vast sea, millions of people to me. But I didn't freak out. I didn't panic. I kind of liked that sea of humanity staring at me. And that's what it takes to be a performer. You've got to be a stoned out egotist, no matter what part of entertainment you're in. Even if it's in the silent part of entertainment, which is radio, where there is no audience, At the end of the day, everyone knows you have to be a bit of a narcissist and an egoist to do this. Hey, what's wrong with that? I don't know anyone on earth who achieves anything who isn't a bit of a narcissist and an egoist to you. Uh, Whether he's a woodworker who's making a beautiful cabinet, isn't he a bit of a narcissist and an egoist? Or is a surgeon performing great eye surgery, isn't he a bit of a narcissist and an egoist? Or a cardiologist inserting a catheter into an artery all the way down into the heart, And opening up a balloon, isn't he a narcissist wanting to be the best cardiac surgeon in the world? And yes, so Americans must remember that ego is an important driver of excellence. Never forget that. But then again, you are the important part of the show, which is the audience. And the topics, again, are numerous. I can add a few others, by the way, which is, is Bernie Sanders healthy enough to run for president? Can anyone explain to me how a guy who's 79, who just had... I don't know what, two stents, three, can still do this? What is he running on? What vitriolic 
element is there in his DNA that would impel a man after a heart attack to run for the presidency, especially as such a hateful American? That's what I'd like to know. What motivates this communist? Probably sheer unadulterated hatred. Well, anyway, that's the Savage Nation for today. I want to again invite you to call at 855-400-7282. So let's go to the big picture, which is the war fever behind it all. Again, before I begin on this, I want to reiterate that opposing war is in the American tradition. Uh, Unlike many on the alleged conservative side of the media, I oppose the Iraq war. I was not Hannity saying there were weapons of mass destruction. There were no weapons of mass destruction. I'm on record. I opposed the war in Iraq after we knew it was a fake. And most vets oppose war. Now, killing a mastermind of terror is not the same as opposing war or even going to war. We're not really at war, are we? There are no troops going into the Middle East. Well, a few, but they're already in the military. There's no draft. Now, that's an interesting one. People are panicking. Uh, that the seek selective, I almost said secret service, that the selective service may suddenly start drafting all these millennials who have never fired a Daisy BB gun. That should be a kick. Can you imagine these kids who need safe spaces at college because someone says something that disagrees with them or somebody opened a peanut butter sandwich near them and they're allergic to peanuts? Can you imagine them going through basic training? Uh, it's going to be an interesting time coming up in the United States of America. I'm Michael Savage. I'll be back in a moment. Michael Savage, a host like no other. President Trump took out what amounts to a terror mastermind who was at the heights of the Iranian government and had been responsible for hundreds, if not thousands, of deaths. He was equivalent in rank to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And he had been responsible for an attack on the U.S. Embassy in Iraq, and he was planning more attacks. Uh, But the left in this nation and around the world are now mourning this terrorist in chief. CBS News last week praised Soleimani as a military genius, a revered man and a war hero. Uh, Many on other networks blamed Mr. Trump for escalating tensions in the Middle East and called this an assassination. Now, these are the same folks who stood silently by when for eight years, President O launched thousands of drone strikes in the Middle East. As of 2015, there were nearly 3,000 drone strikes. And when two American citizens were killed by these drones without any type of due process, the leftist press yawned. And when Syria crossed Obama's red line and Obama did nothing, they praised his restraint. There was no retaliation. In fact, there was capitulation and appeasement. The fact is, the leftist stooges said nothing As in the middle of the night, pallets of cash, $175 million in U.S. taxpayer dollars, were delivered to this evil nation. Then Secretary of Hate John Kerry said, I think that some of it will end up in the hands of the IRGC or other entities, some of which are labeled terrorists. You know, to some degree, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that every component of that can be prevented. That was John Kerry. But now they pile on President Trump in full force. Now they're saying he had no legal right. Now they're saying he's provoking them. Now they're saying Suleiman was a man of peace. Well, the fact of the matter is, Suleiman was in a foreign nation called Iraq, planning attacks against U.S. interests. Of course, as I said earlier, many people are nervous. And we can't sit here as jingoists and say, great, rah, rah, sis, boom, bah, Uh, this was all wonderful. 
We don't really know how this is going to end. We know that, as I said earlier, opposing war is in the American tradition. And that can go all the way back uh, to World War I. Because if you study Wilson uh, in World War I, President Wilson opposed World War I. In fact, he won the presidency in that time period because he opposed war. There were many uh, organizations and people opposed to war around the periods of World War I. Activists published magazines and newspapers. They held parades, demonstrations, and put on plays. They uh, used the up-and-coming new media forums and forums, film and radio, to spread the message of peace and reconciliation. I'm talking about in the World War I era. And after the war and through the 20s and 30s, most Americans were against entering another war. America is fundamentally an anti-war nation. So, yes, today you see the socialists, the internationalists, uh, the radical women types, the peace activists, some of them overt communist socialists, uh, viewing the current situation with growing horror, wanting continuous conversation and arbitration with a terrorist nation known as Iran. Now, having said that, I don't have to give you a pocket history of Persia for you to understand that Iran was not always an Islamic state of hate. Uh, Iran was converted to an Islamic state of hate when Jimmy Carter, through his appeasement, brought the arch-religious terrorist Ayatollah Khomeini out of exile in London and brought him back to Iran after engineering the overthrow of the Shah of Iran. And as a result of that, Khomeini poisoned the world with radical Islam. So this is a rather current or recent phenomenon, what's going on in Iran. The Iranian people themselves hate the religious fanatics. Never forget what the women of Iran enjoyed prior to these old men with filthy beards and dirty nightshirts taking over the country. The women were Western the women enjoyed what women in the West enjoy everywhere. And once these men in dirty nightshirts and filthy beards took over that nation, the women were put into the back seat of the bus. So there's a growing movement to overthrow them, even within Iran. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Uh, welcome back to the Savage Nation. In a minute, uh, we'll get back to all of the hot stuff of the day, including Hollywood actors in World War II and Korea, uh, compared with the uh, characters that we have today. How did I phrase it? Uh, well, you'll figure it out a little later, but it's pretty horrible to see what they become today compared to Jimmy Stewart, who enlisted in uh, World War II. And uh, he was a commander. Actually, he was a B-24. He, he received a DFC as deputy commander of the 20 of the second bombardment wing. This is an actor, but many other actors, Henry Fonda, Bronze Star for Valor, Glenn Ford. I'll read them in a minute. Now compare them to the actors of today and they're stabbing our troops and police in America in the back. How did that happen in one generation? I was trying to compare what's going on in Hollywood today with their anti-Trump, anti-America, anti-police, anti-military, anti-gun mentality to those of World War II, you look back in World War II, the guys that I grew up with, one of my favorite actors of all time was always Jimmy Stewart, nicest man in the world. He always had a sweet persona. And the man became commander of the 445th Bombardment Group. Even Steven Spielberg's father, by the way, if I'm not mistaken, was a B-24 pilot. Now look what Steven Spielberg has become. 
Okay, he's done some movies that are quasi-patriotic. Henry Fonda, U.S. Navy Bronze Star for Valor. Look what his children became. Look what they became. Take a look at them. Lee Marvin, great man, U.S. Marines wounded in Saipan. Jack Palance, remember him? Tough guy. U.S. Army Air Corps, 455th Bomb Group. The man required facial reconstruction from terrible injuries he received in 1943 when his B-17 crash-landed in Britain. Tyrone Power looked like a pretty guy, right? Well, U.S. Marine Corps pilot in the South Pacific, Tyrone Power. I mean, the guy was a beautiful, right, handsome movie star. Eddie Albert, U.S. Navy. James Arness, U.S. Army, wounded in Anzio, Purple Heart and Bronze Star. Sir Alec Guinness put his theater career on hold in 1939, joined the Royal Navy. He landed some 200 British soldiers on the beaches of Sicily during July 43. Clark Gable. Now, Clark Gable was a handsome guy, right? He, he insisted on enlisting. He ended up serving in five high-profile combat missions. He was honorably discharged as Captain Clark Gable after D-Day. He was awarded the Air Medal and the DFC, the Distinguished Flying Cross. Now, compare him to Tom Cruise, the fake heroes. Now, compare him to all the fake heroes in L.A. All of them make believe they're heroes, yet they spit on America. How is that possible? Ed McMahon, Marine Corps flight instructor for two years. Charles Bronson, one of my favorite. 1943, Bronson's drafted into the Army Air Corps, where he started out working as a truck driver, but eventually became a tail gunner at a B-29 a tail gunner in a B-29, perhaps the most dangerous position on a B-29 was the tail gunner, uh, Charles Bronson. Then David Niven, very suave. Do you know that Niven, as suave as he looked in the movies, led a commando unit known as the Phantom, which operated behind enemy lines after the Normandy invasion? These were the real heroes. How have we gone from patriots to hatriots in one generation? How's that for a turn of phrase? Can Ed Asner answer that, that asinine fat buffoon? How have we gone from patriots to hatriots in one generation? The Hollywood leftist trash of today has never been seen before. Every last one of them. It's hard to believe the things that they are saying, not only about Trump, but the hatred that they put out. I saw an article on the great Breitbart website Hollywood rings in the new year hating Trump. Kick is behind in 2020. And who were they? There's Rob Reiner, Meathead, a uh, uh, hatriot. We'll call these one hatriots. Then there's the failed author, Stephen King. I call him a failed author because he's not really a literary author. He's just a mystery writer. Yes, he made a lot of money, but he's not really a literary figure. Why he hates people who are conservative is anyone's guess. And that's Stephen King again, showing his true colors, which are all red. Bette Midler, a has-been. We won't even mention her. She's a nobody. Sicko director Michael Moore, uh, who endorsed the communist Bernie Sanders, had something to say. So hateful. Michael Moore is a has-been, a nobody. Judd Apatow. Now, he's an interesting character. When he first appeared on the scene with his big slapstick comedy hits, he was fabulous. Why Judd Apatow has become such a hatred in such a short period of time, is anyone's guess. My answer is, hmm, perhaps follow the money. Those who fund these movies are all left-wing fanatics for their own reasons. And there's Judd Apatow, a shame, a shunder upon Judd Apatow. Rosie O'Donnell, you know what she is. She belongs setting pins in the bowling alley in, 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 Patika, in, in, in Topeka, Kansas, but there are no bowling alleys that would have her. 
George Taki, never heard of him. I don't know where he came from. Jim Carrey, the most overrated comedian in history. Another hate, another hatred. Who is this one? Another one? I don't know who they are. West Wing actor, Bradley Whitford, never heard of him. Rosanna Arquette, uh, excuse me. You know, she says Putin is not my president. We know she's low IQ. All she ever had was a good behind. That's all Rosanna Arquette ever offered was a good derriere. And you know, there's an old saying. Uh, I, I can't say it because it's a family show, but I've kind of hinted at it. It's just sad what they become as they get older. And as their buttocks fall, so does their IQ. Ron Perlman, I don't know exactly who he is. Another one, Russia, if you're listening. Again, putting out the big lie about the Russia collusion. Amber Tamblin, never heard of her. Billy Eichner, never heard of him. Another one, another drunk from Hollywood, in my opinion. So the Trump derangement syndrome in Hollywood seems to be going strong. And that is why I wrote Stop Mass Hysteria, America's Insanity from the Salem Witch Trials to the Trump Witch Hunt. I would like to give one out to every major studio head, but I know they don't read. They don't even read their own scripts. So what are they going to do, read a book? And so that is why I say America's gone, especially in Hollywood, from patriots to hatriots in one generation. What do you think about that? You're listening to the Savage Graduate School of Political Science, where everyone gets an A in this seminar. Don't be intimidated to voice your opinion. Call 855-400-SAVAGE, 855-407-282. Again, I will repeat, this is the Savage Graduate School of Political Science, where everyone gets an A uh, in undergraduate college uh, before I went on to graduate school. My favorite professor was one who gave everyone an A. Remember, he was the older guy. I told you about him last week. He was the old, uh, what was he, the genetics professor. Everyone was scrambling for a high grade to get into grad school, med school, law school. Mainly at that time, it was these kids wanted to be doctors, and they all wanted A's in every you know, biology subject. <clears throat> well, everyone knew that the chairman of the department gave everyone an A. He would take you into his office at the end of the uh, semester, and he'd sit and talk to you very kindly, and he'd say to you, what grade do you need to get to where you want to go? <laughs> you said an A, he gave you an A. I never forgot him because we knew since he was a slam dunk A or B, we actually learned more than sitting there nervously trying to memorize stuff. He turned it into a discussion of ideas in uh, human genetics rather than a memory class. Very interesting. I never forgot it. I always learned better when I was, uh, let us say, calm as opposed to, uh, to a nervous. So again, if you want to call the show, 855-400-7282, any topic is fair game, and we're talking about... Uh, the war fever, the war drums. We're talking about the golden uh, globules last night. We are talking about, well, what's pretty obvious to anyone who's ever read a mystery novel or watched any show on drama about crime is that Jeffrey Epstein was killed in prison. I mean, you don't have to be a genius to know that. The cameras were off. The guards were asleep. Uh, the ligature marks on his neck are that, not of a sheet, but of a wire. I mean, if you've watched any murder mystery, he was garroted in the cell. Not a pretty thing. I don't care what he did. I don't care what he was responsible for. You can't celebrate this kind of death. It was, must have been horrible. But the guards have yet to testify. You want to talk about that? What can you say that hasn't been said before? Uh, other people have died in that holding tank there called uh, whatever it's called. I mean, they've held some pretty bad people in there. Uh, and others have died in that prison in New York. You don't want to get caught in the federal... Lockup. I can tell you that right now. It's probably the most dangerous place to be. You may think you're safer than in a state or local facility, 
but you're mistaken. Big power players control what happens in those prisons, according to everyone's knowledge. And Epstein had too many people on his uh, fly list in order for him to be sent on a no-fly list. 855-407-282, let's take some callers. Jimmy in New York, line one, you're the first up today. Jimmy, what's on your mind? What's the topic? Dr. Savage, how you doing? I'm talking about this this, uh, Bernie Sanders. I am so disgusted with him. Number one, he looks like a Halloween mask. Number two, as you said, with those purple shaking hands, spittle all over the stage. He's not going anywhere. None of them are... What what I want to know is, let's say, let's say, okay, let's... How old are you? You're in your 50s, right? 57. All right, you know, guys, they've had a, a heart attack. Do they continue in their life work... Just like nothing happened before or after it? No, my two brothers had heart attacks. They had sense put in. They changed their diet. They changed their exercise. They eat right. They do right. And God bless them. They're healthy. But what do you mean? No, no more gobbledygook? No more mortadella. No more prosciutto. No more provolone. Nothing. What? No, nothing. No, no, no more Sunday gravy for them? No, they get... You know what I've been eating lately? I've been eating a thing called Beyond Beef. It's all plant-based. You can't tell the difference. It's astounding. I just can't see eating plants. I, I, that's just not... No, if you got Beyond Beef, for example, it, it looks like meat, tastes like meat. The chemicals are genius, but it's all plant-based. If you put a good tomato sauce around it, I, I guarantee you, you wouldn't know the difference. So anyway, no, there's a lot of modification, but I'm talking about Bernie Sanders. How could this guy run for the presidency at 79 with a heart attack and, and believe anybody would, t- would not think he's going to keel over in office? How could he take the pressure? Well, let's put it another way. Could anyone take what Trump's taken for three straight years and not die from it? Absolutely not. But then it- You know, whether you love Trump or you don't love him, I got to tell you, I don't know another man on earth who could have taken the hate and the deceit and the undermining he has taken, and the threats to him and his family. I don't know anyone. I couldn't take it. Could you, Jimmy? I couldn't. No, I couldn't, but I could, but I couldn't. Mr. Savage, remember, you grew up on the other side of the tracks. He grew up on them, like you say. When his name went up on those buildings, it wasn't by chance. He had to deal with a lot of rough people. He's a man. He's a man who loves this country. When he got rid of that piece of salami, whatever his name is, I celebrated. I and Who? Which more? Which which salami? That imbecile in the car that got off at Baghdad Airport and went to go high. He didn't even get thirty. Oh 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 oh! Not Baghdadi. This recent one, uh, Suleimani. Yeah, but how about Baghdadi? When I heard on your show, almost blew me out of my car. That that uh, that Alfred E. Newman, Obama, he had Baghdad. The CIA had him twice, and under his micromanaging, let him go. Well, that's because Obama was always an Islamophile. Uh, as I said before, I don't know how people don't understand this. If both of your fathers were Muslim and you went to a madrasas as a child, you're certainly going to be an Islamophilic individual. So to him, Islam is beautiful, can do no harm. And, uh, you know, he was working halfway for the other side. I think Obama was playing for the other team half the time. And it worked for him. Look how well he's done. It's like all... Uh, uh, great, great uh, uh, progressives are. They come to do good, and they do very well indeed. You are 100% right, but let me let me just ask you this. Uh, ask, say, I don't know. How come the left, he was a revered, he was a this, he was a that. You know what he was? 
He was all that. He was nothing. He was garbage. He was a murderer. Well, that is right. Everybody knows what he was. He was a, a, a terror mastermind accounting for hundreds, if not thousands, of deaths, Americans and otherwise. And uh, he had to be killed at some point. The real question is, how come he was driving around in his own car with only a few chase cars with relative impunity, no longer fearing a U.S. strike? And I said it last week, Jimmy. I'll say it again to you and everyone else. Because Pelosi, as a woman, made the world think she had, in essence, deballed the president, intimidated the president, beaten the president, weakened the president. you got to understand the fanatical Muslim mind. They hate women. They disrespect women. And they feel that because Trump was beaten by the woman Pelosi, he was a nothing. He would never strike them, that she was the real power. And as a result, he was driving around this Soleimani with impunity. Nothing bothered him. He figured no one would touch him. That is Pelosi. That is why they did this. Now, you could actually thank her for this in a way. Because of that, he came out of his hiding hole. He was riding around, and apparently the, the predator drone and the people in intelligence knew exactly where he was. The real question is, Jimmy, is who gave him up? Who gave up his position? It didn't happen. You know, a predator drone can't find out where he is unless there was a tracking device on him or one of his men, unless there was a double agent working for him or his, in his entourage, or unless there were spies on the ground who were following him. You know what I'm saying? We don't know who they were, which country was involved. It could have been anyone. I agree a thousand percent with you, but remember on your show when you were speaking to that CIA uh gentleman when he said he knew a little bit of what he used certain phones in certain areas but eventually we're gonna get you and with president trump a real man a real man none of them in my lifetime have i ever seen a real man like this he's gonna come after you why because he's not from washington he's from queens well, look, I, I said this from the beginning about the President Trump. He never forgets his friends. I can vouch for that. And he also never forgets his enemies, Jimmy. Let's let it go with that. I really love your listenership, and I thank you for calling back in a minute. Home of Borders. Language. Culture. The Savage Nation. It is the Savage Nation. We're talking about Bernie Sanders. Is he healthy enough to run for the presidency? Did you watch the Golden Globules? Uh do you fear retaliation for the killing of the master terrorist? Even if you agree with the killing of Soleimani, you do know there's going to be retaliation. There already has been uh, in, in Africa. And so the question is, was it worth it? You have to ask yourself, was it worth it? Or where do you stop? When do you start? When do you stop? These are tough decisions to make. It's always easier to just put your head in the sand and say they're going to go away. Let me remind you, if you don't know history, you're condemned to repeat it. Look at the history of Islam from the 7th century onward. From the time of its beginning, it's set forth to convert and conquer surrounding nations. And within only 25 years, they conquered most of the nations around uh, the area where uh, their prophet was uh, laid to rest. Egypt at the time had not been a Muslim nation, but through the burning of the Alexandria Library onward, and the sacking of virtually every other effigy and figure of importance in Egypt. Egypt was converted to Islam. Nothing has changed. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Spans of the spoken word. Welcome. 
This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book. See the movie. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. All right, you're listening to the Savage Graduate School of Political Science, where everyone gets an A in this seminar. Uh, don't be intimidated to express your opinion by calling 855 400 Savage. We have been talking about the Golden Globes, the um, killing of uh, whatever his name is, Salamani. Salamani means Solomon in English, man of peace, right? Uh, is Bernie Sanders healthy enough to run for the presidency? Of course not. Any sane man would have stepped down already and just moved to Vermont and continue to poison the minds of the, uh, the youth uh, with Marxism, but not him. He's not satisfied. So the Epstein story on 60 Minutes, he was clearly uh, assassinated in his cell with a garret. But here are some other stories, if you care to comment on them. Um, California has passed an insane new law limiting personal water usage. Now, we don't have a drought here, but that didn't stop them from passing the law. Uh, citizens will not be allowed to do laundry and shower on the same day. They make it difficult now to shower and do laundry on the same day due to restrictions that limit water use. This law was signed by Governor Jerry Moonbeam Brown. will now limit use of water to 55 gallons a day. Uh, by the year 2025, you're going to only be able to use 52.5 gallons, as in all good socialist states. They'll have little water monitors coming around to your house. Now, maybe this made sense in the drought year, but uh, at least for the beginning of 2020, snow levels are so high and water in reservoirs are so high, we have no drought. Nevertheless, AB 1668 was sponsored by Assemblywoman Laura Friedman, Democrat Glendale, and SB 606 sponsored by Senator Robert Hertzberg, Democrat Van Nuys, which will severely implement strict water use limits by January 1, 2020. Here we are. Meanwhile, in New York City, the nutcase de Blasio uh, attacked Domino's for charging $30 for a pizza on New Year's Eve. This is why businesses are fleeing New York City. He's an anti-business politician who does not know about the law of supply and demand. He does not know that florists raise their prices for bouquets on Valentine's Day. You see, communists think a certain way. That's called price controls and that the state should run everything. This is a man who's never provided a service or a product that anyone ever bought. Instead, he just provides rhetoric that no one buys. Let's see, what else do we have for you? Biden sided with terror leader Soleimani in handing control of Iraq to Iran. I don't know if you know that, but uh, he did. Former VP Joe Biden reportedly played a decisive role in enabling recently assassinated Iranian terror leader Qassem Soleimani to push the U.S. out of Iraq and deliver the country into the hands of Iran. This is according to Adam Credo of the Free Beacon. You can read it on your own. 855-400-7282 is the phone number. Let's go for a moment to one soundbite from the Golden Globes last night that we shouldn't omit. Here is Jennifer Aniston reading Russell Crowe's message, making no mistake that the bushfire tragedy in Australia is climate change-based. He's wrong. The government of Australia 
is reporting that the vast fires in Australia are being set by kids, not by climate change. But since when would you expect Jennifer Aniston to know anything about climate science, let alone uh, Russell Crowe? They know nothing about anything. Even Gervais said that. Just shut up and be an actor. That's all you are. But here we are, clip 16 on The Savage Nation. Russell Crowe could not be here with us tonight because he is at home in Australia protecting his family from the devastating bushfires. He sent along this message in case he won. Make no mistake, the tragedy unfolding in Australia is climate change based. Uh, stop, we need to stop, act. Stop, shut up, Russell Crowe. All you are is an actor. All you are is a very good actor. We loved you in Gladiator and nothing else. Uh, I don't think he's ever studied climate science. Notice, you know, the first thing about the reason of the fires are out of control. His own government is saying it's from kids setting fires. Man made fires. This is not to argue that we want pollution. Nobody in the media has done more than Michael Savage in terms of uh, protecting the environment going back at least 40 years. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, if you want climate change to be responsible for every virtual thing on the planet, then you belong in Hollywood. You don't belong in a science classroom. Uh, we can talk about Jock Phoenix when they pulled him off the stage. Uh, did you notice how ripped he was last night? I don't know what the medication or drugs may have been, if any, but he was out of control. In fact, he went on and on and on. He's a great actor. I've always loved him. But he got out of hand, and they had to run the music, you know, like the, the cue, get him off the stage, get the hook. Lisan in Connecticut, calling on what topic, please. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Michael. I, had, yeah, I started laughing when I watched it because Joaquin Phoenix started to say, you know, it's okay to vote because he did sound pretty high. But he said, but if you really want to change, the change has to start with you. And maybe we stop taking private planes to Palm Springs. And that's when the music started. Oh, you think that's when they started the, the cue music to get him off? Absolutely, because he turns it around on them and let them know that they need to start taking a little... Well, you know, there seems to be a little turning of the shrew going on in the film industry right now, more specifically the entertainment industry, where some of them are starting to speak out because they know they can't take the crap anymore. The hypocrisy is overwhelming. When you got Leo DiCrapio flying all over the planet with young girls or young women in his private jet and then talking about global warming, or you have him on his 150-foot yacht, again, belching uh, fumes. And I love yachts, been on them, own some big boats myself. Uh, and talking about the environment while not living the life. I mean, how much garbage can anyone take? Many of these people in Hollywood are very intelligent, certainly intelligent enough to know what garbage some of them are spewing. So maybe that's what got him. I don't know. I, I just think he was so ripped that they cut him off. What, you think it was because of what he said? Absolutely. I think it's because he turns it around on them and said, you like personal responsibility. And that's the biggest problem that so many of these elites have. They love to, you know, cast the shadows on everybody else. It's everybody else's fault. And they act like they live in these ivory towers. And did, did, did you watch the Globes last night? Did, did you watch the show? I actually watched it on YouTube because somebody had mentioned it to me. And I said, you know, I have to see what phoenix on the youtube and i went on and i saw it and i was very surprised well but don't you think he was a little um addled brain addled as well totally trashed i i think maybe he was drunk because he was eating the vegan food and he didn't have any meat and he was drinking all night Oh, the vegan food and the bad champagne the cheap champagne 
No, it was. It was. It looked to me like really. It was. You know, I know that. Uh, I know champagne. I don't drink it much, but I know the difference between really good champagne and the sugary variety that gets you sick. You slosh that down on the wrong diet and enough of it, you're not going to know what you're talking about, right? Well, they were drinking the Moet, and I used to drink the Moet when I was slowly side back when I was a teenager. I drank that when I was 18 years old and thought it was high class, but trust me, it's not the best. I agree. I mean, if I drink champagne, which I don't do much, there's only one. I, I like Dom Perignon. It's the only one I drink without a headache. I can't stand Cristal, for example, even though it's more expensive. You know, it's like all of the Rapsog Cristal. Big deal. And if you have taste, you know the difference between the grape. And I think the finest grape and the cleanest grape are the grapes used by uh, by Dom. So everyone has their own, own opinion on this stuff. I don't drink it. I drink mainly white wine at this point. Uh, and it's the only one I don't really get sick from. All the rest, they can keep it all. I thank you very much for listening so intently to uh, the Savage Nation. Uh, Michigan Don, line five. Don, what's on your mind tonight on the Savage Nation? Hi, Michael. Thanks for taking my call. I, I'm kind of worked up about uh, President Trump dignifying Congress by going in front of them for the State of the Union. Um, I, I, you know, you're right. It's coming up any day now. Yeah, and Pelosi's probably going to have the gals, you know, dressed in a certain black dresses again and some stupid clap or stunt. I'm, oh, and, God. The, you know, she's so over the hill. And I think her act is worn out. She's as worn out as a Hollywood actress trying to pretend she believes in global warming. Agreed. How many people, you know, even people who hate Trump know Pelosi's a, a faker and a liar. Well, you think he should go in front of them and dignify it? Because you know she's going to pull a stunt. Of course he has to do the State of the Union. Of course he does. He's the president. Why should he boycott his own State of the Union? Let her drive him off the stage? I should let her drive him off the stage? Yeah. I hope somebody drives her off the stage soon. Well, that's not up to us, is it? Uh, all they need to do is expose the history of Nancy's politics and her fortune. And then, and they started to do it two weeks ago. They started to hint uh, at the family wealth and some of the relationship with Ukraine and such. Why is it that so many of the most powerful and wealthy Democrats, whether it's Biden or Pelosi, have children who have business dealings in Ukraine. Can you explain that to me? Yeah, corruption 101. But I got well, what is Ukraine? It seems to me Ukraine seems to be the laundry for, for the world, for the Democrat world at, at least. Yeah, we'll, leave it at, we'll leave it at that. We're not going to talk about laundries today. Uh, everyone's clean on the Savage Nation. The phone number is 855-407-282. Again, if you can't a comment, phone number uh, will get you an A in the Savage Nation. Berkeley, Gary, line six, Bernie Sanders' health is on your mind. What do you have to say? Oh, hi, Barry. Barry. Um, well, I'm a physician, and so I do no, I do no medicine. I can, I can tell you that with pretty much certainty that his cardiologist, the interventional cardiologist that put the stent in and had a discussion with him and said anybody at his age you would say, sir, you need to lessen your stress. Mm -hmm. It takes a more potent statin mm -hmm. to, to stabilize your plaque in your mm -hmm. arm. And you do not... How, how, many, how, many, how many stents did they put into Bernie? Do, do we know? Was it one, two, three? Well, now, see, that's a good question. Now, what I read was one, and that's probably in, the, in an artery called the left anterior descending. That's the most common artery to clog in a man. 
Do, do you think it was? Do you think it was a, a, a DES stent, a drug eluding stent? Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah, I, that's the standard of care today, isn't it? A DES, everyone's using the drug, the drug eluding stents. They don't, they don't use wire stents anymore. I mean, twenty years ago, the, the studies came out internationally that the drug eluding stents did not fibrose and clog like the like the wire stents. But no, I hear. So, you, are you a cardiologist, sir? No, I'm an ophthalmologist. I'm an eye surgeon. I'm oh, an eye fabulous. One of my neighbors is a famous eye surgeon, retired. I mean, probably the most skilled surgery of all has to be eye surgery. I don't know how you guys do it. You talk about having to have a steady hand. But I don't know your age. If you, God forbid, had a heart attack and they put a stent in you, would you modify your life from the point of view of uh, what Bernie's doing? I don't know how he does it. Well, no, why? Why he does it? Well, if I had a stent, okay, I'm 70. If I had a stent, if I had if I had a coronary artery disease, and they put a stent in, well, first of all, there's a study that just came out a month ago that said half the stents that are being placed now, maybe forty percent, should not be placed because patients did just as well. Hmm. Statin, increasing, changing the statin to more potent statin, exercising, and keep your blood pressure down. They did just as well. Well, but wait, I, I don't know if that study differentiated between those with 100% blockage and those with 80% or 90%. If you if you have 100% blockage, you have to go in with a balloon angioplasty and a stent, right? Would you agree with that? Well, well yeah. Well, if you have 90 to 95% blockage, now, hold on. You, yes, you, that, that artery is going to close off, and you're going to have a, you're probably going to have a heart attack within six months to 12 months. Now, but what, what we're talking about now is the cardiologist goes in and sees 70% or 75 or 65. Well, a lot no, of they're, they're not stenting at 60, are they? They're not stenting at 50 or 60, are they? It depends. It depends on the cardiologist. Oh. Well, so, so in other words, aggressive cardiologists will go in at 70 or 60 now. At 75 or 80, he may say, you know what? What do you want? He may ask you before the procedure. If I see 80%, 75 you can get away with me not putting it in, but there's going to be a risk. Mm. Well, what I don't understand is this. It's a warning from God, a warning from nature, a warning from your own body, that, that you've reached a certain point of no return. Yes, you can survive, but you have to moderate your lifestyle. How does he go out and continue his vitriolic campaign rallies without fearing a heart attack. Moreover, how would anyone vote for the guy without knowing he's going to drop dead in office if God forbid he should win? Hold on. It's just like, it's just like, well, not just like, but it's like Tom Brady. It's like Philip Rivers. Look, Philip Rivers, it's the end. He's done. Can't. <laughs> oh God! Oh. Well, we we wish him well, but we also wish him off the stage for a number of reasons. Na mainly because mainly because he's he cannot survive the rigors of the presidency. It's impossible. My friend, the doctor from Berkeley. Thank you so much, Gary. I appreciate your listenership. Back in a minute. The Savage Nation. It's savage on demand. It is the uh, Savage Nation. Let's go to Brian somewhere in California. Line four. Brian, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, I was waiting a long time. God bless you, and Happy New Year's. Yeah. Um, I wanted to tell you that uh, here in California, I live amongst all the idiots, and I worked in San Francisco. I'm 63 years old, and only now 
that the Democrats really showed their true colors. I would, now, what do you mean with regard to the killing of the of the terror mastermind? Uh, everything, you know, they, they they hide behind everything. That he should have been killed a long time ago. Trump, I agree with you one thousand percent. He's the Teflon Don. Nothing bothers him. <laughs> no, I could never take what they threw at him. I don't know any living human being who could take the, 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 the lies and deceit that he's faced. Doesn't make him a perfect man, but he's our president in a time of very unstable uh, situations in the world. And frankly, he deserves and needs our support because in essence, we're supporting ourselves. When you have <clears throat> Iranian sleeper cells all over this country, as we know we have, which side are they on? Are they are on the side of the terrorists or the side of our uh, grave men in the secret services? <clears throat> when I come back, we'll talk about this and other topics with Kenneth Timmerman on The Savage Nation. Michael Savage, a host like no other. We are talking right now about uh, the Iran situation, the killing of the uh, terror mastermind Mr. Solomon, Soleimani, and the, the impact on this nation and Iran itself. And we have the greatest expert on the subject, Ken Timmerman, who was a Republican nominee for Congress, Maryland, uh, in 2012, president and CEO, Foundation for Democracy in Iran. He knows what he's talking about. He was a Nobel Pre Peace Prize nominee in 26, and he's a partner in the Fleming Timmerman Law Group. Ken Timmerman, pleased to have you on the program. Welcome to the Savage Nation. Thanks for having me on, Michael. It's always a pleasure. Ken, this is a big deal, and of course we know that the the, the party line has split right down the middle on it. Um, Dems are screaming we're going to war. What are the other options that we have to deal with Iran? Do you think there's going to be a ground war? I don't think there's going to be a ground war, but I, I want to say something right off the bat. We've been at war with Iran for 40 years. It's a war that they declared against mm. us, and mm. they started it on November 4th, 1979. You know the date. It's when they took over our embassy in Tehran. And it's not a coincidence that President Trump, when he announced uh, how he would respond if the Iranians decided to retaliate for the killing of Soleimani, when he said, we will hit 52 targets to their 35. And by the way, those 52, it's one for each of the 52 diplomats they held hostage. So this war has been going on for many, many years. President Trump is trying to end it. I get your point, and I know something about the history of Islam. I know that fundamentally Islam has been at war with the world since 732 A.D. Uh, in one way or another, trying to kill or convert. There's no question about that. Uh, but why would Trump have named cultural targets as part of those 52? What, what did that have to do with anything? Uh, I don't know what ex specifically he was thinking of, but I know the way he thinks. And, and he, he loves to outrage people and them off on a tangent. So now all the Democrats are worried about cultural targets, and they're talking about, um, you know, war crimes and everything else, including the horrible Chris Van Hollen, who, met, who you mentioned in the intro here, uh, mentioned war crimes. The president is doing other things. He's actively uh, tracking the IRGC, the Islamic Revolutionary Guards Corps units, in Iraq, and he's working on how best uh, we can counter them and dismantle them. So he's basically thrown that up, I believe, as a diversion while he's doing the real thing over on the other side. 
Ken Timmerman, you're, you run the Foundation for Democracy in Iran. You mean, or people should know what that means. It means you're trying to get those who want to come out of the yoke of radical Islam, get them their freedom back. People should understand that prior to the advent of radical Islam, after Khomeini was released uh, or brought back to Iran, more specifically by Jimmy Carter, who helped undermine and overthrow the Shah, women were then put into Chattel. Are, isn't there a huge movement wanting these religious fanatics out of out of office? An enormous movement. And by the way, it's not just in Iran. Before the attack on our embassy in Baghdad uh, at, at Christmas time, there were mass demonstrations in Baghdad against what? Corruption in the Iraqi government and the Iranian government control of the Iraqi government. So, by the way, I have not heard a single Iranian on social media or people that I know or even, you know, reliable uh, social media channels deploring the murder of Soleimani. They believe he was brought to justice. He was not murdered. He was brought to justice. The man was a criminal, a mass murderer. He has the blood not just of Americans and Israelis and Lebanese and Syrians and others on his hands. He has the blood of Iranians on his hands, and people know that. Well, I, I kind of gave him a name, which was the Robespierre of the Iranian uh, um, administration, and he was. He was sort of the guy who picked the, the targets, didn't he? He did. He did indeed. And uh, he, was, he was out there uh, determining which wars they should engage in. And he was wily. Uh, this is a guy I wrote in the New York Post this past weekend who set up a network uh, in Iraq where he would infiltrate every Iraqi government ministry, the number three position. The number three position in the ministry was personnel and human resources. <laughs> so they would be the Quds Force. Qasem Soleimani would be naming key people all through those ministries. One of the ones he infiltrated was the finance ministry, and he got a deal with Iraqi banks where he would get the currency float between what they would buy and sell currency from every Iraqi government-controlled bank it was worth about a billion dollars per month. That was all used for black operations by the Cuds Force. So they didn't. Good even- God, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. So he had a black operations budget, which was phenomenal, and he knew how to use it. Ken, you've been there. You know how these people think. Uh, he's riding around in his own car in a small entourage. He's really not in an armored vehicle. He's not hiding. He's not afraid of anybody anymore because he figures Trump is neutralized by Pelosi. That's my take. That's one of my takes. How did we, meaning intelligence services, know exactly where he was? Did somebody put a tracker on his car? What do you think happened there? Uh, look, I, I think it was his movements were relatively public, as you just said. He flew in from Tehran to Baghdad. Uh, people knew that he was coming. People in the Iraqi government knew he was coming. I am guessing, because I don't have access to intelligence, and if I did, I couldn't talk about it, <laughs> but I am guessing that mm. somebody he talked to in the Iraqi government, uh, you know, let us know that he was coming when and where. And after that, it was not too difficult to get him. He, he, he was not hiding. He was not hiding, which leads, leads us back to the other uh, a question. Why was he not hiding? He believed he was invincible. He was invulnerable. The Americans wouldn't dare to go after him. Uh, and, and even the Israelis wouldn't dare to go after him. That's what he believed, okay? Hmm. And the Iranians have lo- loved to test us, and they, they tested Obama many times and understood that he was not going to uh, strike back. They tested President George W. Bush 
and saw that he was not going to strike back. Huh. The past year and a half, they've been testing Donald Trump, and they thought, after the drone they took down in April, they thought that he was not going to strike back. Guess what? They were wrong. But why, why do you think Trump struck knowing all the consequences, and some of them may not yet be known? Why? Because they crossed the line of taking an American life. Remember when Trump, uh, when the drone was taken down in April, Trump said, well, I was given an option to counter-strike, and, and I said, how many Iranians are going to be killed? And the generals told me 150. I said, that's, that's wrong. That's disproportionate. They just took down an unmanned drone. Well, now they took the life of an American contractor in Kirkuk. That was the red line. The president made it very, very clear. That was the red line. All right, Ken Timmerman, you know Iran. You know the peace movement in Iran or the liberation movement in Iran. What is the likelihood in your mind of the killing of Soleimani working one way or the other, meaning will this make it harder for the uh, peace movement or the liberation movement or more dif- uh, easier, rather, in, in Iran? Everybody I've spoken to uh, in the pro-freedom movement believes that this is the first step of the end of the regime. And they believe that because it shows that the regime has feet of clay. They believe, just as Soleimani believed, that mm. they were invincible, that nothing could harm them, that nothing could do ah. them, and that, that these, these millions of protesters in the streets could do nothing to the regime. Now they see that they are vulnerable, and I happen to believe that the so-called supreme leader, right now as we speak, is looking over his shoulder, wondering if he's next. Oh, the chief bugaboo. The yeah. chief, the chief bugaboo down there in the holy robes. That's yeah, I mean, I mean, a predator drone could. I've often thought about it. They give these fiery speeches in open public. I've often thought, you know, well, God forbid, one day, who knows, right? Right. That's right. But by the way, have you ever thought about this? Look at the difference between Hezbollah in Lebanon, where they've got a neighbor, Israel, who never hesitates to strike when they need to strike. The leader of Hezbollah hasn't appeared in public since two thousand six. <laughs> mm. He knows that there could be Israeli drones overhead. But the Iranian leaders, just as you say, Michael, they appear in public. Uh, they announce those speeches ahead of time. We know that on Fridays, they're going to be there for the Friday prayer speeches. These are the mm. public demonstrations of support for the regime, paid for by the regime, by the way. They paid the demonstrators with rental mobs. Uh, and uh, it'll mm. be very interesting to see if they continue to hold those meetings in public. Well, it's bewildering to me how a religion that touts itself as a religion of peace engages in speeches that are the opposite. It's a religion of hate and speeches of hate. It's a religion of vengeance, a religion of murder, a religion of killing uh, the big devil, the little devil, blowing up Israel, blowing up America. Where is the religion in that? <laughs> yeah, right. And where's the peace in that? Just the pieces. We see all the pieces. Look, no uh, Iranian cleric uh, will tell you Islam is a religion of peace. I learned about Islam from an ayatollah, a dissident ayatollah, but nevertheless one who had gone through the seminaries in the home, was very well respected, uh, had risen through the ranks at a very young age, was related to Khomeini. Uh, he was in exile in Paris. I knew him during the 1980s and uh, uh, spent afternoon after afternoon after afternoon with him. The one thing that the well, I should say the first thing that he taught me that really stuck with me. He said, Ken, in Islam, we divide the war into, in the world into two. There's the house of Islam, and then there's the house of war, or the Da'af al-Harab. Our world is like that. You're with us, and you're Muslim, or 
you're not Muslim, and it's our duty to convert you, and if you will not convert willingly, to kill you. Well, that's been going on since uh, the prophet arose on the earth, at least since his death. Since his death, uh, people don't understand that the surrounding countries were not Islamic until they were conquered through the fire and the fl- through the fire and the sword. And my greatest example is the the sacking and burning of the Alexandria Library, uh, and then onward, the Egyptians were not Islamic until that time. Uh, Persia itself was not Islamic. Vast swaths of southern China were not Islamic. These were all conquered through murder and through fire. Am I right, Ken? Absolutely. And, and by the way, the Iranian people know that very, very well. There is a very strong movement inside Iran to reject the mullahs as foreign invaders. Ah. The See, that, that's something people need to understand is that Persia was not an Islamic nation until when? We know when. Right. And, 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 the, and uh, look, they had a, a pre-Islamic uh, religion, which was very different. Uh, Ahura Mazda, you know, Zoroastrianism. It was a very, very different uh, way of looking at the world. By the way, a much more peaceful uh, way of looking at the yes. world. And Iranians believe that Islam is a foreign implant. Khomeini, who made the Islamic Revolution in 1979, by the way, he was Indian of origin. He was hmm. Iranian. When he arrived in Iran on that plane in France, that uh, Air France 747, and, and uh, he arrived, a reporter from the BBC asked him, so what do you feel now that you've come back to your homeland? And he kind of snarled and said, Hichi, which means nothing. <laughs> huh. You know, you mentioned Zoroastrianism and the original religion of, of, of Persia. I'm reminded of Mithras, the Persian mystic. I, I, maybe that's a topic for a whole separate topic. Uh <laughs> You must know a little bit about Mithraism, right? A, a little bit, but I'm not an expert, no. Well, neither am I. I know that the known birth date of Mithras is December 25th, incidentally, and that uh, kind of crosses over to our alleged birth date of, uh, of Jesus of Nazareth. But I'll leave that for next Christmas when I'll talk about uh, Mithras and the, the known birth date. Ken Timmerman, always an amazing uh, pleasure to have you on the Savage Nation. Let's hope for the best. And for Donald Trump, let's wish him the best. Thank you for being with us. I'll be back in a minute. Home of Borders. Language. Culture. The Savage Nation. Uh, Welcome back to The Savage Nation. One of the most interesting sound bites that we found was that of Jay Johnson, who was the DHS secretary under Obama and a radical leftist through, through the entire Obama administration. Here's Jay Johnson saying that Soleimani was a lawful military objective, and Trump had domestic legal authority to take him out. Before we play it, I want you to just take a deep breath. This is not a right-winger saying it. This is not a Trump official saying it. This is the former DHS head, Jay Johnson, uh, on Meet the Press. Listen carefully. Listen to this in 26. If you believe everything that our government is saying about General Soleimani, he was a lawful military objective. Mm-hmm. And uh, the president, under his constitutional authority as commander in chief, had ample domestic legal authority to, to take him out without an additional congressional authorization. Um, the, whether he was a terrorist mm-hmm. or a general in a military force that was engaged in armed attacks against our people. He was a lawful military objective. I want you to understand who said that. I saw it yesterday in passing, and I said, this this can't be Jay Johnson. 
Jay Johnson was in the Obama administration, head of DHS, and party line guy, party line Democrat leftist. Even he's saying that killing Soleimani was legal and that he was a lawful military objective. If he knows that, why is the rest of the party so filled with vitriol and hate when they should understand what is at stake? Uh, last week, and you can still find it on my podcasts, I had some interviews that will live for a long time, including uh, very important people who've served in Iraq, served in Iran, and uh, served in Iraq and Afghanistan in, in, in the special forces, who know about the numbers of sleeper cells of Iranian terrorists in this country. They may look like the florist next door or the architect next door, but this government going all the way back into the Obama years, knows how many sleeper cells there are in this country. And they may suspect many others. And I think we would be foolhardy to not expect some kind of terror attacks on our own soil. Now, you may say, well, that proves the leftist point that Trump shouldn't have acted. Well, when should you act? When do you act? How much do you take? When do you finally say enough is enough? Finally, we have a president who did act. A president who said, here's the line in the sand, you crossed it, I'm killing you. Uh, isn't that what a commander in chief is supposed to do? Isn't that what a leader is supposed to do? Instead of sending them money and saying, please don't smack us again, like a beaten wife. So I think you've got to look at this from the perspective of national security rather than partisan politics or tribal warfare. That's it for the Savage Nation. Visit me online at michaelsavage.com. Or catch the podcast if you miss this show, where the entire show can be heard within about an hour, wherever podcasts are found. Thank you for listening. God bless America. See you tomorrow. The Westwood One Podcast Network.